Time now for ML Elric. I'm always suspicious of a man, even in Detroit, who wants to play hide and seek, especially when he's a total stranger. Well, this fellow in a felt hat and tweeds had been shadowing me for too long. So finally, around 10 o'clock, I left the cafe tambourine, figuring that before the night was over, my shadow and I would be properly introduced. But before it was over, I met a lot of people. Living and dead. Get your finger out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then, if you want to Get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Elric? Hey, kids. It's your old pal, ML Elric, Fox 2 News investigative reporter, running on fumes after a uh, big story last night, an investigation we've been working on for many, many weeks, and one that we, you know, we would rather be right than be first, but when we can be right and first, it's very gratifying. And, and this one, we were working on this feverishly because we knew that one of the best reporters in town, Christine McDonald of the Detroit News, was on the same story. And along the way, we found out the Detroit Free Press was on the same story. So, uh, so we're very gratified to get that one done and, and get it out in the public domain. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Of course, uh, keeping things going is Mark Fellhauer, the uh, co-host of the Charlotte and Dad podcast. Oh, yeah. There was a new one, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it needs to be heavy editing needed. So because of you, right? I, oh, I'm sure Charlotte yeah. had all her marks. I don't know if we have good, good chemistry, my daughter and I. I can tell you after 20 years, it's tough to get good <laughs> chemistry with the kid. But uh, that's the fifth show, sort of the uh, the secret show on the Red Shovel Network, the Easter yes. Egg show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very hidden. And joining us in studio, off the road for once, Sean Windsor. You can find him at the Free Press. Pick up the paper. Follow him online at Sean Windsor, who uh, wrote a... Uh, you know, he was giving us a hard time last week because we kind of were giving him a little bit of a hard time for being a sensitive soul. But he wrote a beautiful column about his mother for Mother's Day in the Free Press, which, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with shedding a tear. Now, you might not want to wipe them away with a pink <laughs> handkerchief like you do. But, I mean, I thought that was, <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful thing you did. I think my mother would approve of your skinny tie. It's kind of Robert Palmer-ish, maybe. Uh, no, no there'd be a, it, was a, it was a key tie with my to go with my. Is key that what it was? Tie, and by the way, Mark's tie. sitting over here in shorts with lovely calf muscles. Oh, thank think, you. Uh, yeah. They carry a lot of weight around. That's why. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Flexing. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, beautiful, beautiful column by Sean Windsor. My mom Hi, liked mommy. it. She said, "Why can't you be more like Sean Windsor?" And I said, "Well, uh, probably the XY chromosome would be one reason." <laughs> I thought you were going to say because you wanted a son, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, ooh, you know, ooh, we're finally ooh. on the same wavelength, and all it's just busting each other's balls. Now we're stealing each other's material. Wait, you have balls? <laughs> well, before this gets out of hand, I, I need to read you something uh, about a very sophisticated gentleman who would never traffic in this sort of chicanery, this sort of locker room. He's got balls, though. Hall Financial is a Red Shovel Network sponsor. There's three exclamation points after this because it really should be four because he's sponsoring all four Red Shovel Network shows and soon to be sponsoring Charlotte and Dad. 
they're going to do a refi on that uh, on that uh, dollhouse uh, that yeah. she got, uh, trying to uh, maybe upgrade to a treehouse. So we'll see. She's we'll see how the numbers too. come She's back. She's got too many homes. We can't emphasize enough how important people like David Hall are to our very survival. Taking a chance on this new form of media and also donating a kidney to Sean. So thank you, David. <laughs> if you want to refinance your home, Hall Finance would love to save you some money. You can call David at D or email him. Yeah, use the typewriter. Email at dhall at hallfg.com or call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000. That's a pretty easy number to remember, 248-308-5000. Maybe it's your first home or your dream home. Maybe you want to take money out of your home, you know, like equity, not like put some money in your wallet. Give David Hall a chance and get lower rates, better options, and more personal attention. They have over 600 five-star reviews. We're coming up on 200. We'd like to we'd like to get closer to David, but but we appreciate uh, whatever we get. Industry average for a refi is 44 days. Now, to some people, that's Todd Bertuzzi, who's pretty good, but not by the time he got to the Red Wings. Hall financial average is 19 days. That's your captain, Steve Eisman. There's nobody better. They will fight for you even if you have a dent in your credit history. Email at dhall, hall, f, at hallfg.com or call 248-308-5000 and thank them for giving the soul of Detroit a chance to stick around for a while. Tell them ML sent you. Thank you, Spend Mr. your Hall. money well. Charlotte is your daughter. Yes, and you, the five-year-old. You mm-hmm. love your daughter, right? Very much. Well, last night, uh, my partner John and I did a story about a mother who loves her son. And uh, the problem is the son doesn't really... Well, if he loves his children, he has a funny way of showing it because it turns out he beats them with mm-hmm. a belt, possibly with a whip, slaps, uh, corporal punishment, uh, timeouts, all sorts of things. And he was found uh, he was found responsible for abusing his five children who were all taken out of her house. This happens far too often uh, all over the country, so nothing special there. But this story was was different than most because it turns out that his oldest son testified that his grandmother put makeup on him to cover up uh, the abuse, and that's not good. But in this case, it's news because his grandmother is a family court judge, and the family court in Michigan is the one where the judges are supposed to protect children from abuse. And last night, if you watch Fox 2, well, forget last night. It's online. You can see it at fox2detroit.com. It's worth watching, too. Well, you can check it out in our story notes. You'll see both the grandson and the grandmother give their side of the story. Grandma says the grandson is lying. The grandson says, no, no, no. She beat, she covered up this abuse. And, uh, it's, and, we, and we don't believe kids in this country ever <laughs> versus well, a judge. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, why would a kid lie? His 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 well, grandma's kids supporters make things up. That's that, what people believe. Or they're coached. I guess that's yeah. one of the other angles mm-hmm. that they were they I mean, were we coached just, we just by that a lot the mom. With, we just saw that a lot with Nasser. You know, they don't people don't really care about kids that much. They like to say they do, but they don't listen to them. Not until there's a mountain of evidence. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Until it's too late, most of the time. And there was some evidence in this case, which we showed people uh, that that grandma knew of some. Some things that were happening, that there were spankings. She didn't know they were beatings. She did see a handprint on one of the boys' faces, but thought that, well, it's just a handprint. It's not like he got, you know, clocked or anything like that. But That's fine, but when there's two 911 calls from different locations that you played, which were pretty startling, I mean, how much more evidence do you need that those kids should not be with that dad? That was my first question after watching that piece. Where's the mom? So this is where these things get messy. There's three moms 
for the five kids. And the mom who now has the two oldest boys who suffered most of the abuse, she lost custody of the boys uh, in the divorce and basically didn't come to see him because she said that the way she was treated by the father and his family was so stressful that she kind of had to move on with her life. And, and she came into contact with them about six months or so ago when they basically said, we are miserable. We live in a, a chamber of horrors. And after the state got involved, when the neighbors called 911 and said, hey, somebody's been beating these kids' asses for 45 minutes, saying, I'm going to black your mama's eyes, I'm going to kill you, then the state came in and said, you know what, maybe she should have these kids after all. And so so now she does have the boys, and they seem to be doing Good. pretty well, considering what they've been through. But we hear all the time, and we're going to hear from people saying, well, you didn't give the judge a chance. Well, let me, let me tell you how hard we work to make sure we get these stories right. Not only did we have countless email, text, and phone conversations with the judge's representatives, and in some cases with the judge herself, we met with the judge's representative for, uh, or I met with the judge's representative for a couple hours. Uh, we met on camera with the judge, which you'll see. We met with her as long as she would meet with us. And then we had a lengthy uh, background meeting uh, with the judge to try and understand some more of these issues, to get some more context, some nuance, try and understand some of the subtleties. And then we did our story. And just before we do the story, the judge's lawyer sends a cease and desist letter basically saying, you're rushing to judgment. You didn't listen to anything we had to say. Of course, they hadn't seen the story, so I don't know how they knew that. Yeah, she's on camera. Yeah, and so it's just, you know, we work really hard to get this stuff right. People don't understand how much time goes into these things, and we worked our ass off to be meticulous and to get it right. At the same time, we know other reporters are working on it, and we could lose the story, but that's how careful we were, and it's just... You know, hey, don't don't cry any bitter tears for me. But in this business, it doesn't matter how careful you are. People are still going to say you're rushing it. You're a hack. You're whatever they're going to say. Well, it's a, will there have any effect on any cases that she oversees where maybe there's allegations of abuse? You got to believe lawyers are like, huh, this is our this is our entry. She already, you know, passed judgment on our case, but we're going to go back at it. Is that how I don't know how family court works. Well, the, the judges are very powerful. Most of these, most of these trials, where they determine whether parental rights should be terminated, are bench trials, which means the judge is the finder of fact. They are the one. They're Caesar. Thumbs up, thumbs down. So, um, or Nero, I don't know, some Roman. We've heard from people who aren't happy with her rulings, and uh, we've heard from people who say the Judicial Tenure Commission should get involved to investigate whether she may have covered up. Yeah, or may have lied. Lied, and, yeah. And, and the rules for judges which, are very broad. If, if you do anything that even has the appearance of being in, inappropriate or could bring embarrassment to the judicial profession, that's enough to get you in trouble. Which is what she was trying to prevent, right? Embarrassment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what this is all about. To cover up. Absolutely. If you believe the, the if you believe her grandson, I mean, to me, people always ask me, what do I think about this? Well, to me, it's really simple. We get answers. We ask questions. We get answers. We present it, and we let people decide. So people want to ask me who I think is telling the truth. Uh, I don't have an answer for that. I say, watch our story. It's very thorough. It's very careful. I'll give you my and opinion because I watched the story, and I thought the kid was very coherent with what happened and very consistent. So I'm going to believe him. So he's credible. Oh, I think he's incredibly credible. Yeah. And I just saw a small portion. Yeah. You know, and like you said, people are going to say, oh, maybe he's coached. 
I don't think kids get coached that well. Well, the other counter that that she uh, has something to hide. Too. The mom's side would say is that well, if if the two boys who are in my custody were coached, what about the other three kids who I've never met who aren't yeah. in my custody who have other mothers? They tell the same kind of story. Who coached them? There's witnesses. So now it's a conspiracy. As you said, Mark, the consistency, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you look at the motivation. What's the motivation? You have a judge, a powerful judge, mm-hmm. right? With Although a, with, a, with a profile who wants well, to protect that profile. Here's my other question. She is just now a judge, right? Yeah, so what did she whole, do before when she allegedly put makeup on these kids she, to help cover it up? She was a lawyer, a very respected and accomplished lawyer in the family court. And this whole Interesting. crisis became sort of in the public domain because because child protective services workers come over there at like uh, you know, early in the morning in in June because of these 911 calls. At the time this happened, she's running for judge, so it's very embarrassing, and it could be something that could affect her her electability. So there's a lot of factors in here, but but despite all that, th- these boys told us and testified that the abuse that they were subject to, that they've been telling grandma about, that she'd been ignoring them for years. Yeah. So this wasn't a matter of political expediency. This seems to be, if you believe the boys, just the way grandma was going to deal with her son's inability to properly deal with his sons. So it's a, a messy, complicated story. We uh, invite you to take a look at it at Fox 2. You know, send us a, send us a note at uh, mlsoulofdetroit at gmail if you have some thoughts, if you want to know some more about it. And you can always give us a call at Butterfield 8 9070. That's 313-288-9070. But heavy-duty investigation uh, still kind of gassed after all that, but... Um, you don't look it. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the hyperbaric chamber. You know, when... I when, guess that's because he always looks this way, Sean. Well, when Jacko died, I was able to pick that thing up on eBay pretty cheap. <laughs> I also have Bubbles and the Elephant Man in a jar of formaldehyde. You know, I was kind of thinking if, the, if the, the sons are telling the truth, then the, the mantra is sort of, you can relate to this, judge others as you wouldn't yourself. Is it coming back to me, right. the judge, the great arbiter? Right. Yeah, mighty exactly. Zeus? Yeah, you I look like out that. at the world and you want to pass judgment, but you certainly don't want to turn that inward. I, I feel like I'm being judged to that I'm judgy. That's wow, a little deep. confusing. It's a little. You know, it's not confusing. Your vision, good vision. Yes, exactly, Doctor Yaldo. Thank you, sir. The four shows on the Red Shovel Network. Not the best segue, but I'll take it. Yeah, no, and he we, doesn't judge. We'll, we'll fix this in post. Uh, we'll put in some like you know what it takes to do music. You know what it takes to judge. Good vision. Yes, you have to see the truth. What the? And what better way to see the truth than without glasses, right? Am I right, fellas? You're right. right. Nice. Okay, there you go. We're back on track. The four shows on the Red Shovel Network, including this one, continue to grow thanks to you, our loyal listeners. We're approaching a combined 900,000 downloads a week after starting at zero three years ago. This show is personally responsible for 899 <laughs> downloads so, uh, you know, we're kind of doing our part. Another great thing is that the sponsors who allow us to do this also get to grow with us. Like Dr. Yaldo, who has ratcheted up the lifestyle of so many of our listeners with his two state-of-the-art surgeries. Custom Cats LASIK, the most advanced in the world, which means it can't get any better than that. Where most people get better than 20-20 vision. And multifocal lens implants for people 45 or older who want to get great far vision and never need those annoying reading glasses again. 
LASIK gave me 2015 version, which is better than 2020, folks. And dozens of 45-plus Drew and Mike listeners have also gotten their multifocal implants to rid themselves of reading glasses. They all say how great it was to throw that 20th century crap like contacts, glasses, and readers right in the garbage. Not newspaper readers, but those little cheap glasses you get. Make the call and tell them ML Sold Detroit sent you for special pricing. Call 1-800-398-EYES. That's 1-800-398-EYES. Or go to YaldoEyeCenter.com. Dr. Y, we thank you. There is a, there's a guy I also need to thank, and he's not listening. Or maybe he is. Maybe as he listens, he hears harps, and he hears angels. And, Let's hope he's listening. How about and, that? And he hears Coleman Young, uh, who I think is probably up there. I think, I think it's probably, I think Coleman made it. Coleman's a pretty good dude. And that's Bob Berg, who was a, uh, a, he's that most extraordinary thing where he worked for politicians who often had questions about their integrity. And he dealt with reporters who often asked questions about the integrity of his employers. And he somehow managed to maintain the trust and the respect of both parties, which is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I tend to, I don't want to say not like spokespeople, but I guess I would say they are not among the people I would wish to be in a broken elevator or on a desert island with me. But Bob Berg was a guy you could spend some time with and say, you know what? I dig this dude. This is a good guy. How long did he work for Coleman Young? Well, he wasn't Coleman Young's first press secretary. In fact, when, when Kwame Kilpatrick asked me to be his first secretary, I talked to Bob about this, and, and Bob really encouraged me to take the job, partly because he was still doing it on a contract basis. He's like, Kilpatrick's been mayor for four months. I, I want to get on to my other clients. You know, somebody take this job. But we sat down in his office and talked about it, and he said, well, as we went, I said, well, well you were you – were, uh, because he, first he was, he was a newspaper guy who became Governor Milliken's press secretary. And Governor Milliken referred him to Coleman Young because Milliken and Young had a good relationship and Young was having trouble. So I said to Bob, you know, you were Young's first press secretary. So he said, no, no, no. There were several press secretaries after, before me. And I said, oh. And I said, well, who was Dennis Archer's first press secretary? He said, well, there were several people before Greg Bowens. And I said, oh, so the first press secretary never really makes it. Oh. It's like the red, the red shirt guy on Star Trek. The White Trek. House too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 I could have been spicy. How long and, did he last? Uh, too, too damn long. But maybe Melissa McCarthy six did him. In. Yeah. The mockery was bad. Well, he plus also, the mooch. You know, the mooch wanted his way in there for a week. Right. Well, exactly. He was also in a, in a bad position where you have a boss who doesn't tell the truth, and you have people who insist on getting the truth, and who probably wouldn't mind putting a few marks on the boss. So. Spicy's got, you know, he, that was a Man, tough I, job. I would love to see the alternate universe, though, where you took that job with Kwame. Well, let me tell you how long, you know how there's AD, BC and AD? Yeah. Uh, there would be, like, one day it'd be, there'd be BC, there'd be ML, and then the next day would be AD, because I would have lasted about a day in that job. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. If you were adding on to the back of your home in Gross Point, you probably would have stayed oh. at least a week. Oh. Well, it's going to happen. I'd mean, have to, what, that home would have to be about 4,000 feet to reach into Gross Point. Uh, how close were you to taking that job? Very close. Very close. I mean, yeah. we talked about that. Yeah. You called me up. Oh, Sean said you should absolutely take it. That's the first time I thought That's why he said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I was. I, I, was, did, I didn't want him to leave. But, I was talking you know. to some of my most trusted friends yeah. to say, what should I do? And, and in the end, I didn't take the job because. Uh, I knew 
that, I mean, there were various reasons, but one of the biggest ones was I knew, and I had no idea what was really going on, that Kilpatrick would never take my advice over Christine Beatty and Derek Miller's. And when I had to go out there and, and tell them some stupid stuff they'd done that blew up in their face, wasn't stupid and, and shouldn't have blown up in their face after I'd advised them, this is stupid, don't do it, it'll blow up in your face. I just couldn't have done that. So, And then I couldn't have gone back to the newspaper. So I would have been another person who was destroyed by the Kilpatrick machine. But um, but Bob was huh. – he was a great guy, and I know he was disappointed I didn't take the job, but it was really when he kind of put in perspective that the first guy doesn't make it that, um, that I decided not to do it. And we had many uh, great conversations and many difficult conversations, like after Kilpatrick's final state of the city when he dropped the N-bomb and oh, kind of yeah. went crazy at the end. And in talking to Bob immediately afterwards, because he was making all these allegations about, you know, racist threats. And I called Bob and I said, Bob, where are the threats? I said, we'll do a story on that. Mm -hmm. If people are threatening the mayor of Detroit, we will do a story on that. And I think that's a story the mayor would appreciate. So please help us. We had a very, very hot conversation that night, uh, yelling at each other. And once we sort of calmed down, because I thought he was putting reporters in danger, too, because of what he was saying about, you know, how evil the press was and all that malarkey about they're following me. I got helicopters yeah. over my that was all bullshit, bullshit. But anyway, what it came down to once we both kind of calmed down, Bob said, well, first of all, that wasn't in the speech. What happened was we had agreed on a very meticulously prepared and carefully crafted speech. Huh. And then Kilpatrick felt the room, felt the energy, which of course he's going to feel because it's only his sycophants yeah. in there. And he started to get, he started to big time it. And he just riffed at the end. He just, he just said, you know what, I'm going to say this. And he said it. And I said, okay, well, what about those threats? And when it came down to, we finally got to the heart of the matter. Bob admitted that the, 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 the comments and the threats they weren't threats. They were posts at the end of stories that appeared in the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press. So he was just reading the comments from these nitwits who go on there, these, these basement heroes who just say whatever the hell they got to say, you know, without their name and everything. It's like, those aren't threats. Wait, Kwame was reading them? Or they were read to him or oh somebody presented God, them to him. Oh, my God, beautiful. I'm yeah. so glad that that probably messed with his mind so much. Well, well to him, he... you know, it, it, he used that. Once again, he twisted Fuel. the proof. To, no, just to justify his his claim that you know I'm the victim here, I'm the victim. So I'm what the three hundred pound, six foot five victim. But at some point, someone had to go to him after that speech and said, "No, none of that's true." Does he? Do you think he took that in, or do you think he just said, "No, that is true," and that's what we're going with? Well, in his mind, there are actually people out there who are thinking these things, right, and who expressed them in a public forum. But he's got to have people around him saying, "No, that's not real." Well, so I'll tell you what I learned about the Patrick. Hate, the hate was real, and it, right? The hate's the, real, but the, the real the danger threats. Wasn't real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and what I learned over the years with Kilpatrick, because I, I initially I thought, who's advising him? I mean, the reason why I wanted to get his text messages in the first place was to see who are his 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 closest advisors. What I came to realize over time is that it wasn't that Kilpatrick wasn't getting good advice; it was that he wasn't taking it. So. So Bob, uh, when he, when he, the mayor moved on and he, he went about his business, um, I always wanted to do a story called Bob Berg secrets where we have Bob tell all these great stories from over the years. We never got around to it, but we did get Bob to talk to us 
about the got him to talk on camera about the origins of Joe Louis Arena because he had told me this story, and I loved this story, but um, but uh, we may we may play a portion of that story for you, <laughs> but I do want to tell you a Bob Berg secret story that's uh, that's in my book proposal, The Last King of Detroit. So if if if, if is that about yourself? What's that? <laughs> the Last King of Detroit? No, no, that's the no. that's the reigning. King of Detroit. So this is a this is a, bu- a biography, an autobiography. Um, no, that was uh, that was um, Long Dong Silver Confessions. <laughs> it, you always have to take it there. Nah, it's, I, I it's, just, you can't it's, help yourself. It's, just going, it's what runs his life, Sean. Right to the heart. Yeah, not, it um, doesn't run very long, if you know what I mean, but I guess it does. Oh, my goodness. So when we got the text messages, when Jim Schaefer and I got the text messages, we um, wanted to present them to the mayor personally without any filter because we were afraid that he wouldn't meet with us. And these messages were so sensitive, we felt it was important that, um, that we talk to the mayor directly. Um, but we didn't want to tell him about what we had, because we thought that he wouldn't talk to us. So we, Jim and I had a, a two-pronged approach. Jim would call one of Kilpatrick's best friends, um, and I would call Bob Berg. And so here's a little bit about what happened. I felt if there was anyone we could trust to get a message to kill Patrick without blabbing, it was Berg. Nevertheless, my bosses had decided not to tip our hand. The last line in my notes read, we are not at liberty to discuss this right now. So I called Berg, and at first he was puzzled about why I was calling. Then he was annoyed. He told me I was making an extraordinary request, one that he would be hard-pressed to fulfill without more information. And that's because I called him and said, we want to talk to the mayor, but we can't tell you why. (laughs) Uh, I told him I couldn't say more. I said, Bob, we've known each other a long time. I think the fact that I'm making this request this way should tell you how serious this matter is. Well, I talked to Berg. Schaefer had a similar conversation with James Canning, Kilpatrick's young spokesman. Canning was the antithesis of Berg. He was green, clueless, and blindly loyal to the mayor. But while Berg was a member of Kilpatrick's kitchen cabinet, Canning worked in the mayor's office and might even be with Kilpatrick when Schaefer called. But Schaefer had no better luck than I did. So after a while, we, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't get a hold of anybody. We couldn't get the mayor to call us back. And we we're getting ready to publish the story. So it was time to tip our hand. So I called Berg at the office. He wasn't in, so I tried his cell. He seemed to be in a meeting. What was clear is that he hadn't spoken with Kilpatrick since my last call. This time, I gave him the full story. We're publishing a story tomorrow on text message traffic that the mayor has tried to keep under wraps for four years. The statements on those text messages conflict with testimony. The texts describe a liaison with Beatty and the firing of Gary Brown. Mm-hmm. Berg suddenly understood why I didn't say more before. Still hoping against hope there might be a way for the mayor to wriggle out of the trap he had made for himself, Berg asked, they're pretty explicit, huh? Oh, so he knew. No, not until we told him. But oh. he finally, and he and I talked about that. He didn't that. seem to doubt it. He realized I wasn't being a clown when I said, I really can't tell you about it. It's that yeah. serious. And at that moment, it hit him, and he just said, they're pretty bad, huh? Oh, boy. So, so that was Bob Berg, a counselor to mayors, a friend to reporters, and uh, we will miss him. Let's give uh, a little bit of Bob Berg. Hell, yeah. From uh, Can we play the Joe Lewis thing? Yep. This is Bob Berg telling us the story behind Coleman Young's bid to keep the Red Wings in Detroit by building Joe Louis Arena. We'll have the full 
a link to the full story in the story notes that you can find at mlsoulofdetroit.com. But here's Bob Berg explaining how Coleman Young was going to make this, this deal happen. Advisors. And they start saying, well, Mr. Mayor, you know, how can you start to build something when you don't have the financing, you don't have the architectural plans or a contract? And he finally said, well, said, I've got five million Jimmy Carter dollars. And if nothing else, we're going to dig the deepest effing hole in the state of Michigan. Now either get on board or get out of the way. And that's Bob Burke. He said Jimmy Carter had given the city of Detroit some federal money to use however it wanted. And Bob Burke said, start digging. Wow. And if he had been wrong and the Red Wings left, it probably would have cost him the election. But he was right. We hung some banners. And now Joe Louis Arena is one of the great hallowed sports halls in Detroit history. And, Sean, I turn it back to my friends at the Free Press. A little quick anecdote from the, the obituary written by Patty, Patty Monomary. Monomary. Outstanding reporter. Fabulous, fabulous reporter. Um, and it's a, a tale from a guy named Larry Simmons, who's a pastor in Detroit. He used to be an aide for Coleman Young. And he got really upset one day, like blew up in front of a, a bunch of other young folks, right, who work for him. And Berg pulled him aside, and this is what he said to him. And I think this is pretty good life advice, too. If you're angry and it feels good, don't do it. Bob don't. Berg said that. Restraint. Yeah, that's not a problem for you, Mark. I'm not sure about our friend over here. But, <laughs> well, uh, but, but think about that advice <laughs> and think about Kilpatrick's last State of the City address. He was angry and it felt good to vent. And he did it. And he shouldn't have done it because right afterwards, Jennifer Granholm, had been, who'd been trying to keep quiet about this, said, we got to do something about this. Mike Cox, the attorney general, who'd been trying to sit on the, on, the, uh, on the fence, said, you know, I think the mayor's reached the point where he's got to think about leaving office. Great advice from Bob Berg, a great man. And joining us in just a moment will be, eh, not such a great guy who has some really <laughs> terrible advice. Of course, I'm speaking of Rob Walchek of the Hall of Shame, who's going to talk about a little basketball game coming up against Channel 4, in which he leads... The forces of Fox 2. We are joined by former DJ Scott Roberts. Now, That's right. Now busting bad guys for Fox 2, your local uh, TV station, as Rob Walchuk. 1280 Crazy Country. Here comes a little Merle Haggard for you. Now, how long did you last in that gig? Uh, my first job, I was terrible at it. I worked at a country well, station hasn't changed. in Farmington, <laughs> New Mexico, and uh, I was not good at all. I grew up wanting to be a... Uh, rock and roll DJ, top 40 kind of guy. And uh, instead, I uh, ended up going to my first gig was at a country station, Crazy Country, 1280 Crazy in uh, Farmington, New K Mexico. Country, K Crazy, or were they uh, both? K-R-Z-E, 1280 AM. <laughs> Those are great call yeah, letters. Yeah. So, But then eventually, I went to the FM station, which was Crazy FM, which was K-R-Z-Y, maybe? But they were uh, so so they were top forty. So I was much better at the top forty station. I was not good at country because I didn't know country music. I'm not very good at basketball, but some for some reason every freaking year. I'm not year, disagreeing with that. No, I know we're both consistent. You're still not good at what you're doing. I'm bad at basketball, which doesn't pay. So it's we've picked our lanes. Every year you drag me out to this this charity game with Channel Two and Channel Four. So I. I have the people I want to beat and then the people I work with, and every once in a while we beat Channel 4, and sometimes we don't. But why are we doing this? Why do we do this on a Saturday when I should be out uh, pulling dandelions in my lawn? We do this for charity, and we do this because we are competitors, and they are our enemies. And we fight every day to get the best stories, as they do. 
And this is our one time of the year where we get to go on to uh, athletic competition. We go out and we play. And for people that think this is just a bunch of goofy TV guys, oh, look how cute that is. Oh, you know, look, it's Huel Perkins dribbling a basketball. It's not like that. It's photographers, producers, salespeople, on-air talent, reporters, and all this. And we're all playing really hard. It's very competitive. And we go out and play basketball, and we all want to win. And it's exciting, and it raises money for charity. And One of them, six foot eleven. Does anybody actually score? Yes. Yeah. No. The games. It's I, a ten foot hoop. I, I, I kid you not. <laughs> I kid you not. These are really competitive games. People I mean, can run. It, it, yes. Yeah, I, some of the young guys really run, and I'm they just, get. Oh, I played I, basketball with Elric, so I, that's why I'm asking. That's right. No. I, no. I, I'm. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm pretty in paint. That's it, what they call me. If you. If you think. It's going to be a couple of old farts like me and, well, ML's a little bit younger than me. We're, we are definitely not like the big scorers or a big part Who of it. Who is? We go out and play. Lee Thomas can stroke. Lee, Lee Thomas, yeah. Randy Wembley's really good. Derek Kevra is good. Those are the on-air people. But we have, like, Ramin. He's one of our sales guys. He's about 6'3". You know, he played, I think, college ball. Oh, ringers. Um, okay. Yeah. They're not ringers. They work for the so, station. Yeah. You know, they work for the station. It's oh, they're just, ringers. It's just that. I mean, no. he doesn't sell anything. But well, they have a guy in their team named Devil Villain. He's one of their anchors. Devil Villain, yeah. I mean, and you're cheering for them? Come on. Uh, the, the good old the ML Elric sense of humor. Uh, Who, who's good on Channel 4? What? Devin Skelly. Oh, oh no. really? Devin is good. A couple producers Devin have is some good, amazing Devin guard is skills. Yes, but they have producers. Like their their main guy is this guy Dota Lugerai, who's one of their executive producers, and um, does a backflip every he's year. He's like their yeah. He's like their coach, and he's probably I don't know thirty two, and he's just a super aggressive, hard playing. Oh boy, crazy competitive guy. Calls and, fouls all yeah, the time. Yeah, no. I mean, we have refs. No, we have refs and everything. And last no, year, if they'd called fouls, because Ramin was getting mugged, yes. if they'd called fouls, we win that thing going away. Well, that's the thing that I really want to stress to everybody is that this is a very competitive game. As I said, I mean, I think people come and think this is going to be a bunch of hokey people no. tossing around a basketball with no skill. Certainly, I'm an older gentleman, right? But I play hard. Yep. ML plays hard. We've been practicing. Rob can ML shoot. Is, Rob is, can move the ball. Yeah, ML is a really good passer. He's tall. He's lanky. He gets rebounds. He passes to one of the young guys that can score. And Wait, he score. shares? <laughs> I yeah. share. That's well, that, that's because he that's because he can't shoot. Because so, I can't shoot is so for he sure. He can or pass, dribble. but uh, that, that's what know. I was. I don't want to dribble either. If I was involved in this game, I would be at the court. Every night, taking twenty thousand shots, just not to embarrass myself. But you guys are actually practicing. Well, we practice. Well, we we, we every kinda... year I embarrass myself, so I started playing on Mondays with Rob and the guys, okay. and it's right. it's actually a lot of fun. Do you have set plays. We don't. We yeah, do not give have the any ball to set... guy. He shoots. Yeah, <laughs> we we do not have any set plays. But we, but but it's definitely you know. I mean, it's street ball. It's it's tough. I mean, yeah. it, it is very competitive. So if you come to the game. It's really fun to watch. I mean, my kids are coming. My 19-year-old son is coming, oh, and he's bringing his 19-year-old awesome. girlfriend, and us. they're going to come and watch because it's fun to watch. Where and when? Or because you paid them. No. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I feel like uh, someone's upset that the free press wasn't invited to we don't play tournament. Oh, no, I just this idea of, quote, Basketball. I, I, I don't understand it. I've seen Elric play. Sean and I used you know, to play in my backyard better, all he's, the time. He, and he, Sean's just mad because I still have eligibility. 
He, MLA's gotten a lot needs. better. He's been playing with us, and he's gotten a lot better. I'm telling you, and he's big. He's not getting better playing with he's, myself. He's, he's a big guy, and 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 so I'm telling you, we're we're sticking it to these guys this year. When and where? It is Saturday at 12 noon. It's at the Hope United Methodist Church, which is on Lazar and the uh, Lodge uh, Service Drive. The the Lodge, yeah. right? Yeah. So. It's really easy to get to. It's got a really nice gym. There's stands there. It's five bucks to get in. It's a donation. It's a church, so it's tax deductible. And honestly, if you said, I don't have five bucks, I just want to watch the game, they'd let you in. But, you know, so you can put five bucks in, you can put ten bucks in, whatever you want to do. Most people pay five bucks, and you get to watch this game, and they sell hot dogs and the whole bit. And you find salvation. And we we hang out. We hang out afterwards. We hang out afterwards. And, And that's one of the things that really surprises me about this is that there are really people that come and watch the game, and they're really Fox 2 fans. And you'd be surprised at all the people that want to take pictures with us. I mean, we're all sweaty and gross and tired and everything. But you I'm know, not because I'm only in for like two minutes. But but, uh, but there are people that really you know look at us as celebrities, and this is a big those deal. people that work at Channel Seven. What's that? Yeah, it's right down the street from Channel Seven. They're the guys on the sidelines with the resumes. I've I've often wondered why Channel Seven has never like uh, wanted to play us because yeah, you think they would want a play-in game maybe against the Free Press News team. Well, and and also Channel Seven has you know they they have a very young staff because the they got they rid blew of all out of everybody here right people. Yeah. So, Eric Smith's gone. Yeah, yeah so I mean, <laughs> so out. you would think that they would want to play, but they have not challenged us. So maybe they don't have enough Channel to feel 4. the team anymore. It's this Saturday. ML will be there playing I will. limited minutes along with me, right. and we will be playing our, our younger and hotter guys. But what do I say? Well, I wouldn't yeah, say hotter. Nice. Hotter. Yeah, right. Younger guys. Hotter well, I would scoring. say hotter. I don't want to. <laughs> Ladies like a little gray in the temples. <laughs> yes, we got some hot guys out there. They're going to be playing. What and, women are on the team? We do have women on the team, although I will be honest with you. It's such a competitive thing that the the ladies that go out there usually are kind of blown away because seriously, if you were to take like it, Dina it, or yeah. Marielle, Lou so we'll have we'll have Chelsea them, Manning. If we put them out there, seriously, I, I, I kid you not, somebody would probably steal the ball from them. And so does everybody have to be a misogynist to work at Fox Two? When this when Taryn played, the look on Taryn's face, I would not have gone anywhere near her. And when Nikki Hendricks from Promotions played, right. she played at Stanford. She could really. Roll. Oh yeah, yeah. We had we had. She's a girl. retired now, but yeah. she's sweet. So, so yeah, no, it's, it's, but it's a lot of fun. It's a fun event and I do it every year and I want to raise money for the church and this is for their summer program. It's like a, a kid's daycare camp. It's called Camp Hope and the kids get to go to a day, not a daycare, you know, a day camp yeah. mm-hmm. type thing. So it's, it's something for uh, local kids to do during the summer and yeah, cause you, know, you got to get those kids out of the house. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and I think a lot of their parents somewhere. probably work. And, yeah. and so this way that the, the parents, the kids can go to camp every day. And, and so it's a, a, a nice little charity and we like to raise money for them. And, uh, they're very cool to us at that church. They let us play there all the time and they're very nice to us and we want to raise money and we want fans to turn out. So turn out. So come see Captain Rob Wolchek, uh, ML Elric here, uh, rolling the balls out to the real players so they can take shots and Passes dribble. And, and they, they and boom goes the dynamite. They use me sometimes with the ladder to get the basketball out of the peach <laughs> basket. So I'm there to help. I'm, I'm a team guy. So, Rob, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be looking for the next big Hall of Shame investigation. Yeah, coming up next week. You got it. Oh, man. Rob Wolchek, baller. Thank you for having me. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. 
and I'll never change. Ray Dunn. Ray Dunn. Ray Dunn. Ray Dunn. Ray Dunn Infinity. Ray Dunn Infinity plus one. No. Little known fact. Before the great debate, I often have an internal debate about what to do. And this week, that struggle, that epic battle for truth, justice, and some other word that I saw in a thesaurus one time but I've forgotten, was whether or not to make John Beeline the subject of our great debate or make him the Geek of the Week. But Geek of the Week does not quite cover it because John Beeline, arguably my favorite college basketball coach in the country, maybe even my favorite basketball coach in the state of Michigan, is a devil. What? He is a bad man. Not nice. A meanie. And not because he's leaving the University of Michigan for the Cleveland Cavaliers, as you heard here first on the <laughs> Soul of Detroit. The era of Michigan domination in college basketball is over. But because this jerk just signed a big contract extension, got more money out of the university... He wants to, oh, I need more money. Oh, I'm in demand. I might go to the Pistons. Oh, I want to stay with Michigan for the rest of my life. I want to have a contract that renews every year. I love Michigan. I want to be a Wolverine. Blue and yellow for life. Oh, no, I guess it's Mays. That's right. Just like every other coach. And then he bails. And you know what? That's wrong. Just like every other coach. Well, Just a lot like of the coaches. host of this podcast. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You're right. I'm leaving. Press, I'm, I'm leaving four, for the press, no BS News two. Hour. I'm out. I'm sorry, Mr. Editor. I can't run the paper. So wait, you're, you're not going to let me run the paper, so I'm going to go to a TV station. <laughs> Screw you. I was an at-will employee. I'm taking my little backpack and my little applesauce and my peaches and sugar syrup and my little peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm getting the hell out. Yeah, by the way, who took my peaches with sugar syrup? <laughs> I was going to have those after the show as a little snacky. Okay, that wasn't sugar syrup. That was probably something. Sean syrup? Corn. Wow. No corn syrup. I don't oh, come on. Okay, good. You're not that healthy, and I'm not either, but that's okay. No, but but this is this is what I'm talking about. You guys think that I'm way off because I think the players should be, shouldn't be paid. I'm saying the coaches are paid too much, and they never have to live up to their obligations. So when they get a program in trouble and the students suffer, they leave. When yeah. they sign a contract right. and they bring all these students to campus and they stick the university up for more money, they should fulfill that contract. They should set an example. They should be the man they say they are and not somebody who leaves right away. And when I left the free press, I was not under contract. I was a free agent. I could leave whenever I want. They're paid that much because they don't have to pay the labor. He can leave whenever he wants, but I'm still confused here. I, I, That's not a new sensation. No, no. Somebody in an earlier segment. Which is not our 7609 selection. Can we just talk about this for a second? Somebody in an earlier segment described ML Ewick as a celebrity. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm perplexed. Uh, Yeah, I don't get that either. Usually usually when people recognize me, it's because uh, they want to extend their arm with a fist at the end of it into my face. Which which The reason I brought this up, though, is because you weren't enough of a celebrity for your own liking at the free press, and you left because you you wanted to be a bigger celebrity. That's not true. I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to work with attractive people, so I had to leave the free press media. <laughs> you wanted attractive and vacuous people. Attractive vacuous? In the no, who's judging? <laughs> it's about John Beeline. He's a devil. Attractive stay in on, the sense Stay of, on target. What kind of what, what stay kind of Q-narrow attractive? Luke, you've switched off your battle computer. I mean, what? Attractive in the sense of hairpiece and makeup? I left the free press because they stopped running my stories. Fox 2 runs my stories. And I am under contract. You used at the, to have a jawline. I, I am at the con, under contract at Fox 2, and I can't leave until my contract is up. And that's what a contract is. Of course, it's I've never had It's an obligation between two parties. Not, oh, I got something better. I think I'm going to skip out. Why can't he go coach in the NBA? He can, but th- this, see, this is why. He's been wanting to do this for years. This is why I love D'Antonio. 
hated Saban, hated Perlis. Because every year, if they get a sniff from the NFL, they'd go back to the university and say, I think I might go to the university. Leverage. You got to add money. And no, no, but a, a, a deal is beings. a deal. A contract is a contract. These kids who go to these colleges are bound to their commitment, and so should that's, the coaches. That's you another issue. If you're going to shape people's character, if you're going to be a leader of men or anybody, if you're going to be a leader of goats, and you tell them you're going to do something, you damn well should do it. You're right. You're right. When Until I started something off, better comes along. When well, then I go and sign, I sign a year-to-year deal. If something better comes along, I'm gone when my contract's up. John Beeline, if he knew he wanted to be in the NBA, sign a year-to-year deal. And give yourself the freedom to go. These guys he just brought to campus and had he recruited. This did is... he tell him he wanted to be in the NBA? He sure as hell didn't. Mark. Maybe they should know his because logic, he flirted with it last year. By his logic, I should be washing dishes but where I started in 1981 in Columbia, <laughs> South Carolina. I should never move beyond that because, God damn it, I promised yeah. the cooks I was going to wash the, the, the hotel pans that they brought back. I've read your work. You should be washing you know what dishes. I mean? <laughs> and what about you, Mark? You should still be doing oh, I'll, what? I'll, I'll do anything at this Owen point. Mowing lawns? Yeah, pr- pretty much. You yeah. never should have left beyond that. Did you it's take that Chris. job in Elric that kitchen A mortgage say, advisor, whatever who was when he was 14. So you took this job at this kitchen, and you said, for $2 an hour, I'm going to wash dishes. And then somebody oh, said, hey, said, they're opening a Burger life. King. You better make it two twenty-five, and I'll stay for the next five that's years. You life. absolutely did not. You're so an at-will employee. Telling me, so you're telling me. So this is what you're telling me. Back when national news, national television news still mattered, and there were Thursday night magazine shows, et cetera, et cetera. If they'd come calling to you, ML Elwick, we want your beautiful, lovely face with your stubble. I'd say you got the wrong guy. And your quick wit to come, you know, poke your camera in every nook and cranny of this country. You would have said, no, 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 thanks. I'm in Detroit. Sounds like your argument's more about contracts. It's irrelevant, yeah. But it's about about commitment, and these coaches all coach commitment. I think, and I'm not positive about this, but I think that five-year extension that he signed was actually a rollover from his previous contract anyway. Yeah, but but if you if you know you want to leave at some point, you don't need a, a five-year you know, deal. How do you know that you're not, how do you know you want to leave? How do you know when someone's well, coming? Hasn't he called? said his dream was to be yeah. in the NBA? Well, you don't know if that's coming or not. So why wouldn't you sign the best deal you can? He's because right. they're never this is a guy who has job security. The reason why they give him more money when he puts a gun to their head and more term is because they don't want to lose him. Yeah, he has average. the power in this relationship. So now what he wants is he wants the right to kill and to get out of jail free card, and he wants the bond money that he put up to be given back to him. No, he doesn't. He just wants to coach in the freaking NBA. Then don't sign a long term contract. That's how these contracts work. And then the next thing you know, you're out on your ass. That's how these contracts don't work. No, you're thinking of a contract from 1950. Most employees, a lot of employees, a lot more employees. With Tony Montana and uh, what was the other guy, Sonny? Oh, yeah. Remember they're washing? First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. That was you, wasn't it? No, it was more the F. Murray Abraham showing out of the helicopter. Chainsaw to death. (laughs) Actually, I would always, I'd want to be the Sosa. The cool guy down in uh, in South America who, who just calls up says, in a Tony, don't you mess with me, you little monkey! And then I send all my guys to wipe him out. And then you get blown up in a citron. In fact, you know what? That may You're be a great way. Falling into this trap, Sean, of him just diverting the topic. That may be he a great no way argument. to end. I don't, I don't mind going down this this Elric hole with him, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, well, I, now that things have gotten really creepy, stay away from my hole. I'm at a rabbit hole. And it's that's a metaphor great for debate. rabbit hole, but you got to bring it back to. Whatever. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? Speaking of holes, there's an A-lister who's an A-hole. Felicity Huffman, who has uh, 
She's gotten her due, her comeuppance, if you will, for using her influence, her money, you name it, to get her kid into some fancy pants school. And why did this not seem wrong to her? Well, let's consider Ms. Huffman's resume, shall we? Huffman attended the Putney School, a private boarding high school in Putney, Vermont, and graduated from the Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan. She attended New York University Circle in the Square Theater School and the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, England. So this woman, it's just her birthright that I had a silver spoon up my ass, and now I'm going to polish it and stick it up somebody else's so their kid, well, I guess that wouldn't work. Let me back that logic up. She basically kept regular folks from getting these good spots in colleges so her privileged kid could enjoy the privilege that she's always enjoyed i had no idea she came from that much privilege oh yeah it's dad had a lot of a lot of cake and all her kids are doing great and you know and now she's one of the better ones it looks like she only paid 15 grand to help somebody correct her daughter's incorrect sat scores but i mean come on man you know that's so blatantly wrong if you're doing that uh, well, and, I would and, think if you have the benefit of an education from the Putney School, from the Interlochen Arts Academy, course. the New York University, and the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, you learned a thing or two about what's right and wrong. The Aunt Becky one, I think, is just pure stupidity, where they just threw a lot of money in it and said, do what you have to do. Right, yeah, so I sold some stupid and, jeans, so I got more money I know what to do with, so get my kid into Stanford. And her defense is basically, we didn't know what they were doing. The problem is, is that she wrote it off as a donation to a charity, and that's where she's in some big trouble. Oh, so she's going to be from full house to big house? Pretty much. Oh, I think so. Felicity Huffman, you are our Geek of the Week. While Mark checks IDs and Sean mans the velvet rope, I'd like to welcome those of you who made the cut into room 7609, where we look at new wave artists and music that maybe didn't quite get its due, that we want to elevate, that we want to bring in front of you, that we want you to say, oh my God, I can't believe I missed it, but thank God I'm hearing it now. If you've been listening to this show regularly, we certainly appreciate that, but you've noticed there's sort of a subset here, a lot of... English bands with really cool chicks fronting them with short, sort of platinum blonde hair. Here's the other subset. I have nothing to do with that. No, it's uh, Sean. Sean prefers more of the uh, more of like the proclaimers, where uh, he would walk 500 Soul. miles just to uh, just for one of your smiles. No, just for one of your no. smiles. That's the kind of guy he is. Well, well, the other subset is bands from Wales. Not oh. a not a huge demographic there, but this band is from Ryle. Wales, I think. And this is actually the perfect Welsh name. The name of the town they're from has no vowels. Oh, one of those. uh, R-H-Y-L, although I guess you could say Y is sometimes a vowel. But of course, I'm speaking of The Alarm and uh, a great song that in moments of trouble, it brings me strength.
I could have wrote that last chorus. That's that's kind of where my uh, my lyrical skills kick in. But but the alarm, you know, they they uh, sound in some ways like a lot of bands from that mm-hmm. era. But they just have. I just love that driving guitar. That's a good it's, one. It's so melodic. I think, um, and they have a lot of a lot of really good tunes. But um, as uh, as we were discussing a moment ago, their original name. Probably a good idea to change. I don't know if the alarm is a great name, but the original oh, name, bland. not so good. The toilets. Yeah. So. Well, they were a punk band first, so that kind of fits a punk band. Sure, but I mean, if you're if you're in England, you could be the Loos. Eh. You could be the Commodes. Be the Turlets. That's always the Turlets a fun would one. be good. Yeah. Sure, I like that. It's I guess that's <laughs> the what, shitters. That's what you'd say if you uh, if you were listening to band around Washington or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. <laughs> But now you were saying that you hear a lot of the cult. I, I do hear the cult in there, you know, um, fire. It has sort of that feel, but I don't think he hits those notes that Ian Asbury hits, and you definitely do not have that heavy metal edge that you get with the cult. And uh, yeah. Jim Schaefer and I have this debate all the time. So when I was in college and whenever I'd hit the clubs back here, go to the shelter, go to the city club, I would always ask him to play She Sells Sanctuary, which is mm-hmm. a great tune, but I think... The greatest cult tune of all is Firewoman. And Schaefer's yeah. always like, it's the rain, the rain. I'm like, no, it's Firewoman. And I won't even. Which one charted higher? That's the end of your argument. Yeah, that's a good question. Gotta be Firewoman. Oh, so good. But so that's The Alarm. Another, uh, another great hit in uh, Room 7609, or soon to be hit. It's gonna get a, It's going to get a second chance. If you have some suggestions for us, send us an email. ML. Soul of Detroit at gmail.com. Give us a call at 313 Butterfield 89070. That's 313 288 And we want to thank all our sponsors who keep all of these features and this very show on the air uh, Dr. Yaldo, David Hall with Hall Financial. And guess what? We have potentially a new sponsor. Mark, uh, tell them how they can get yeah, involved. That, that could be you. Uh, go to the website, mlsolodetroit.com. There's a donate bar right there. It'll take you to a PayPal thing. If you're so inclined, uh, anything matters. Even if you want to give a dollar, ironically, we'll take it. We'll take it, yeah, sure. Um, to keep this thing moving and, and going afloat. That's right. Um, and if you want to advertise, you know, that uh, window's open as well. Yeah, it's th- think of it as like public radio that isn't boring. Yeah, we'll send you a rate card. Yeah, and, and soon we may have some merchandise, so we'll find another way to yes. take money from you. But most of all, we appreciate you listening. Please share the podcast with your friends. It's the most Subscribe important Subscribe yeah. and rate it, unless you hate it. Five stars, if we could modestly suggest a you know suggested rate. Unless it's like a 10-star scale, then maybe we go with, you go with 10. Please support the other shows in our network. That would be No Filter Sports with Eli Zaret, Bob Page, Denny McLean, Great shows this week. If you missed them, you can find them. Uh, the No BS News Hour with Charlie LaDuff. And, of course, our flagship, the Drew and Mike podcast. Well, you'll see Mark Fellhauer, uh, you know, he kind of chimes in every once in a while when he's not doing yeah, Charlotte and he, Dad podcast. He, mad at him. So we thank you for your time. Please spread the gospel of the soul of Detroit. You are listening to the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Is presented from Lane in Ferndale and stars ML in the title role. Tonight's story was written by Bob Walchek and was produced and directed by Mark Bellower with original music by John Windsor.
This is RSN, the Red Shovel Network.